everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This whole month, we're going to be in this theme of amazing grace. Today, we continue with week two of our series and focusing today on the theme of justifying grace. Now, our main text is going to come from Titus 3 this morning. Uh, If you want to go ahead and find that in your Bibles, you can, or you want to open up your apps, go ahead. But before I read our main scripture, I want to give you a brief kind of backdrop uh, on this specific passage. So, Titus, the book of Titus is a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his kind of co-laborer in Christ, Titus. The Apostle Paul, during his journeys, which uh, this specific time, we, uh, many scholars believe it was between the first imprisonment of Paul and the second imprisonment of Paul. But during that time, he had visited the island of Crete, which is a Greek island, and they had sparked and seen many churches birth on this island. And as Paul would often do, we see him do this in Ephesus with Timothy as he would go to a place, he would help start a church, and then he would leave somebody to continue to pastor and oversee that church. And in this case, it was Titus. And so Titus, at this specific time of this letter, is dealing with something that was actually in different ways happening all over uh, in many of the different communities, and that is dealing with the influence or the infiltration of false teachers and false doctrine. We see a similar situation in Timothy where Paul is writing to Timothy and he's helping him navigate through some false teaching where some of the people that had come out of the more Jewish traditions were trying to superimpose all of the ritualistic uh, purification and sanctification on these new converts. I know none of us has ever had an, an experience where church folk would just try to superimpose church religious tradition on us, even though it had nothing to do with salvation and just had to do with, well, Sister Margaret always liked to have silk flowers on Easter, so we will always have silk flowers on Easter. In this situation, it wasn't so much about this rigid legalism that they were dealing with, but because of the actual Greek culture at the time, it is believed, even though it's not specifically called out in this letter, that What the challenge that Titus was dealing with was the opposite, where there was this sense of godlessness, lawlessness, and no sense of morality whatsoever. And so there was this this thing of like, okay, well, there's this way and there's this life, but, you know, you really, you know, everything is everything. We're familiar with lots of gods, and we're familiar with just kind of like taking a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And so Paul is writing this to Titus to help them and help them understand proper leadership, proper church discipline, and the proper life and the way that we are to live out this life. But particularly in the passage that we're going to read today, what he helps them understand is the only way that you can ever even imagine living a life of righteousness, the only way you have any hope of living differently than anything that you've ever known is not because you're smart enough, religious enough, wealthy enough. It is but by the grace of God. It is the gospel that justifies It is the gospel that empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. And so let's go ahead and turn right now. Again, if you've already gotten there, Titus chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 
3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, awaken us to your amazing grace. Help us to be aware. Help us to see appropriately our life now, our life past, and our life future in you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your spirit that is here with us. And we thank you that the New England Patriots will not be in the Super Bowl this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for Jason Mayer and that our relationship will be in right standing with you in the future. Amen. I love you, Jason. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I think is fascinating as we step into a new decade, anytime we have these like decade transitions, is the advancement of technology. I don't know about you. I remember uh, many moons ago, as a kid, uh, sitting on my couch and watching a show that was coming on called Beyond 2000. And uh, some of you were born in 2000, um, and so you were what was going to come Beyond 2000. But uh, when I was watching this show, which was in uh, 1990, uh, I remember, you know, it was like we we're going to all have flying cars. Everybody's getting a flying car. You get a flying car, and you get a flying car, and you get a flying car. Uh, and there was all of these wild things. Some of the things that have come to pass. It's like, you know, we all got like, you know, back in the day, Star Trek was on the next tail to Star Trek. And uh, now we all, you know, we don't even need, you know, uh, flip phones. We can just talk to our watches. Um, but it's amazing to see the jumps in technology from one decade to the, ne to the next. Uh, my sons have never known a world without an iPhone. They've never known a world without a phone that you just touch it and it works. Uh, they saw, you know, a movie where there were these things called cords that were attached to phones back in the day uh, where there were dinosaurs. And, um, and, and they pondered, like, how did you get from one room to the other room if there was a cord attached to it? And many of you know you just got a longer cord. And you try not to trip people and booby trap people along the way. But one of the uh, technological things that is happening, and there's more and more experiments and more and more um, uh, in inventions and implementations of it, is that of AR or augmented reality. Uh, some of you uh, might be familiar with virtual reality, VR, and there, there's a slight difference. Whereas uh, virtual reality through like some goggles, uh, they, it tries to completely transport you into a seemingly completely different reality. When it comes to augmented reality, the AR technology, the, de the design is to superimpose some type of computer-generated image on a user interface that kind of places it on top of your view of actual reality. Uh, one of the most 
<laughs> popular, annoying, depending on who you are. Uh, ways that you might be familiar with this is with the app um, Pokemon Go, where at certain times of day, if you go down to the canal downtown, you will see any number of people staring at iPads or phones trying to catch Magikarp. That is a type of Pokemon for those of you who are not on the nerd tip. Um, but uh, I know some of y'all are real quiet because you were like, yeah, that was me. Um, but essentially, it, it works in such a way that if you lift your phone, you turn on the app, it makes it look like that object that you were looking at on your screen is in that place and time. Now, another way that we see this, that it kind of tries to augment our specific view of ourselves, and anybody that has the Instagram app or a smartphone as many times, probably at least once, at least once, been guilty of that, is when you use any type of filter on Instagram. Uh, if you use the filter that makes you look like you have dog ears, and when you open your mouth, a tongue comes out, or if you've ever used a filter that had like the mega zoom, or you've used a filter that distorted your face, or even a beauty filter. Um, mm. Mm. These are ways, and it's things that augment reality. It takes reality and it superimposes something to change and distort and, and, and rearrange the view. But here's the thing about augmented reality is it's not real. And as soon as you pull away the phone, as soon as you turn off the app, you have to deal with yourself and the world that you are in. And oftentimes the unaugmented version of it is not very appealing. However, what if there was a thing? What if there was a story with real world changing power to not only augment your perception, but to change reality for everyone? I believe that that is what Paul is exhorting us in this morning. Amazing grace augments reality with Christ's mercy. Amazing grace augments reality with Christ's mercy. Let's talk about this amazing grace for a moment. In verse 3, you know, we see, you know, God's grace, it really does stand in sharp contrast to our godlessness and sin. Paul begins to give this laundry list, this litany of sins and human sins, and it's by no means exhaustive or just totally uh, conclusive, but it's, it's a decent start. He starts going through, for we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others. We always want to talk about the haters and hating one another. We don't often want to talk about who we're hating on. Why would Paul be reminding Titus of all these things? Is he trying to shame him? Is he trying to, like, you know, slam him? Be like, man, don't be talking about nobody else. I know what I saw you doing last week. No. I believe that he is doing this because there's nothing that quite helps us see and recognize the amazing grace of God than when we begin to look back at where we were before we encountered his grace and see how far we've come. 
It's interesting seeing all the different posts that people done uh, would do at the end of the year where it was like the 10-year picture. This is what I look like 10 years ago. This is what I look like 10 years now. For some people, it was like a brag, you know, like a humble brag. Uh, you know, for some people, you just didn't post it because you were like, I'm not posting that. Um, I had a lot more hair 10 years ago. Well, maybe not a lot more hair, just a little bit more. That was, when, that was right when it was like the recession hit real hard. and I decided to just get free, just totally free. Um, but, but sometimes it's really important, like, we can, we can forget, you, you can easily be, get discouraged about where you are if you're just focusing on the here and now. And I want to encourage you, especially though, like, when I, when I think, you know, some of you may or may not know my testimony, I got saved when I was a child, but I had a, particularly a season on the, near, near the end of high school, beginning of college, it was a, just a very dark and broken uh, time, and kind of my prodigal season. I remember when God was drawing me back to him in 2000, and being in my, uh, sitting in my room at my desk, and broken and desperate for change, desperate for a transformation. I remember how gentle and kind God was meeting me in the fall of 2000 in that place. And anytime I start, the enemy starts, starts you know, mocking me or weighing me down or trying to discourage me on where I am and, 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 and what's going on in the present, I'm reminded of where he brought, what God brought me from in that moment. But it's interesting because I also want to say it wasn't just to encourage us and to help us see our situation differently, but I think that what you want to see is the verse that comes before that is pretty significant. It says in verse 2, to speak evil to no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy to all people. Because I understand, you know, if you are not a Christian this morning, and for those of you who are not Christians and you're here, uh, you're curious, you're looking to see, you know, what, what is this amazing grace about? You can hear this passage, and when it's describing those who have not received the grace of God or those who are not saved, you think, man, these Christians must think that we're just a bunch of terrible people. Well, that's not really, that, that's not the mindset that Christ is telling us to have in Scripture. In fact, we see that the Bible actually gives us more reason to walk in honor and respect towards one another because each and every human was made in the image of God and bears him in the world whether they believe in him or not. And in verse 2, what is he saying? Is he saying for, for the believer, just because you know, you go to church now and, and I'm doing a work and you don't think that that's a license for you to now look at those who are lost and have not received that grace and look down on them and mock them and castigate them and shame them. No, all the more you should have compassion for them because that was you. Thank you, three people. Thank you. The only difference between us and those that are lost is him. It's him. His amazing grace. God's amazing grace is rooted in his appearance, in the appearance of Jesus. This is Paul's way of saying it's the gospel. I'm so grateful that he is a saving God. He did not leave us in the way that we were. But he came out of his own goodness. 
He came out of his goodness and his kindness and his life and death and resurrection has given us hope. And it's something that if we trust in it, if we will trust in his grace, if we will trust in what he has done, it will actually allow us not just to receive it, but allow it to transform the way that we see. You see, when we look back as believers and we see what God has brought us through, and not just, again, not through our AR, not through our augmented reality. Some of you all, you need to turn off the augmented reality, the religious augmented reality that you've turned on in your mind. Because oftentimes when you look back, you've been deceived this long to think that you got where you were because you were just real saved. Or because you did all the right things. Because you got all the, you'd made all the right moves and all the decisions. And because you did all that, then you have the blessed life and other people don't. That's not the reality. The reality is he is, he's got favor. He loves you. It's by his grace. And it's his grace that is transforming us. It's his love. It's his gift that is so amazing. It augments our reality. Verse 5. God does amazing. God's amazing grace does not just augment our reality, but it actually augments real reality. I want to read verse 5. Again to us, it said, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the spirit. He saved us. We did not save ourselves. Y'all hear that this morning? We didn't save ourselves. Repentance and faith are enabled responses. Our, our, even our ability to respond to him. Our capacity to see him and, and to receive him and to have the power to turn, it's a grace all in and of itself. If you think that it's because of you, then we just become proud and arrogant. It's not just about, uh, we have to be reminded that even in following him is a great and precious grace. And God isn't just wanting to save us. He's not just come to save us, but to redeem the world in, that we are in. Not by works. It's not, it's not a call, this walk of grace, this life that he's called us to. He's not just calling us to augment our own reality. He actually knows that you can't change it on your own. How many times, how many resolutions have you made time and time and time and time and time again and, and it never follows through because it's just all just trying to think, just I'm going to will myself through this thing. So many of our, and, and, and hey, it's, you got to have a plan. New Year's resolutions are great, but this is what I found about New, New Year's resolutions. That many times the external habit or thing that we are wanting to change is the fruit or the external uh, leaf of a deep-seated root of brokenness in our soul that only he can change. And so over a year, we keep trying to change symptoms of a soul brokenness that only the gospel can fix. And then we get shocked when it doesn't pan out the way we wanted it to. And yet we come back. This is going to be the year that I'm going to get myself out of this. Y'all hear me this morning? Some of y'all already given up on the New Year's resolution you made a couple weeks ago. 
God loves your resolution, but he wants, to, he wants you to get a revelation of what he wants to do in your heart, in your soul. He doesn't just want to change the appearance of your reality. He wants to transform you from the inside out. Again, it's not by your works, but it's by what? And I love this. But according to his own mercy. Now, we can get, you can go back and forth on word usage all the time. Grace is a free gift. Grace is a free gift given that you did not deserve. Mercy is when something is withheld from you that you did deserve. Mercy is when you deserve to be expelled, but you just got an in-school suspension. Mercy is when you defaulted on your school debt and just got a little 12-month payment plan with no interest. Mercy is when you deserved death, but actually got more than just life. Y'all hear me this morning? Like, Like what he gave us according to his own mercy is far more than we could ever deserve. And it held back what we did deserve, which was eternal separation from him. But according to his mercy, he came and he saved us. It says, by washing of regeneration and renewal of the spirit. He regenerates us. Now, I think one of the things that's important to understand, particularly when he uses this language of by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Spirit, I want to remind you again of some of the things that the early church was processing, is they were very familiar with ceremonial cleansing and purification. If you look at the Old Testament, there are tons of examples and and very detailed demonstrations on ways in which they needed to be ceremonial cleansed to be seen as holy and righteous. And it was all about a certain amount of things they did. Sometimes it was various sacrifices, animal sacrifices that were given. There was time frames. If you touched something that was unclean, you could not, if you were a priest, you could not even minister for several, several days and weeks. There were certain procedures that, that all of your cleansing was based on what you did and was based on following X amount of rules in order to be seen as cleansed. And what he's helping them to understand is there is a new cleansing that comes through Christ Jesus. Is there is a regeneration, uh, another word to be being born again by the Spirit. That though once you were cleansed and sanctified and justified, that you were, you were approved based on your works, now there is a justification. It's not because you did everything right and you lived everything right. He has made you right. He has regenerated you. And it's something that's even deeper because now it's not even just about what you've done. It's not just about how you feel. He actually regenerates us by the Spirit. What has he done? He's not just giving us a practice. He's given us a person, and the person is Jesus, and the Spirit is now on the inside of us empowering us to live holy. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? He's like, I'm not just saying, it's not just a, a 
transformation that now the externals get to change. He says, now my spirit is on the inside of you. You have new power. The word of God says in a different way here, it says the power that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. That you can walk in resurrection life. The amazing grace of God augments reality with Christ's mercy. I loved Christ appeared. He came. Verse 6 says, Whom he poured out on us. I'm going to back up a little bit. By the washing and regeneration of the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He appeared, he came. He saved us. He washed us so that being justified by grace, we would be heirs. I want you to think about the phrase so that for a moment. I I love whenever I see the phrase so that or phrase like therefore or in order that when I'm reading scripture because it's usually set up to explain the why. Why we do things, why he did something. It's important that we understand the why because many times if we lose sight of the why, what we're actually doing gets distorted and can start to lean into abuse. We are familiar with so that in a lot of ways, in different ways in our life, right? It's like you work hard, you work diligently, you show up so that... Not just so that you can be tired, so that you have something to do throughout the day, but usually it's so that you can make a living, so that you can care for your family, so that you can save and be established and have job security. You study hard in school. You show up to your classes. You prepare so that. It's not so that you can just get good grades. Nobody goes to college just to get grades. You go to college because there's something bigger and beyond college that you're building towards. Nobody just wakes up and says, Lord, how can I acquire $80,000 worth of debt? To get a liberal arts degree and be a graphic designer. I love my graphic designers out there. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying. You go to school and you study and you work so that it will help prepare you for a life of work and passion and so that you can be, contribute to something that matters. Right? You, uh, parents, you sow into your children and you educate them and you rear them up. And you try to teach them about Jesus and to make wise decisions so that they'll backslide as soon as they leave your house and, you know, go do something crazy. No, no, no. You don't do that. You do that so that they will grow in closeness with God so they'll be all that God's called them to be husbands. You know, you, 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 you. Come home and you do the laundry and you help and you send your wife uh, to, to a coffee shop or to get her nails done so that. Well, <laughs> you can have a lifelong of close fellowship and friendship, covenant. Right. Can I tell you, God did not save you so that you could just have some place to go on Sunday. God did not save you so that you could feel a little bit better about yourself compared to uh, Mr. Hookup Henry or Wildin' Out Wendy. 
He didn't save you so that you had a little bit, you know, something extra to think about when it came to going to the ballot. No, 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 no. God did not save you so that you could just get saved and just be religious. You were pursued by his amazing grace. You were justified by his mercy. You were cleansed by the regeneration of the Spirit so that you would step into the fullness of being a son and daughter of the living God. So that you would walk as an heir to the covenant promises. So that you would be restored to your original purpose was that wherever your feet go, his presence goes with you. That's why we said you were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Why is it that so wherever you go, not just the people, but the places, the birds and the animals and everything around would be able to look back and say, that is what our God looks like oh it's bigger than what we think it is people his reality is so much greater than your greatest dream your views and your dreams that you have for yourself for your marriage for your kids for your career it's nothing compared to what his reality is and the beautiful thing about what he has offered us when we receive it, it doesn't go off. Because what he's wanting to transform is not just so that you can get by Sunday to Sunday feeling a little bit better about yourself. But he's calling us into an eternal promise, into an eternal reality. You know, we can embrace the happy myths and the different augmented realities that we can often cling to, whether it be literal, AR, or other spiritual experiences, religion, maybe it's no religion at all, various pursuits and pleasures, ways of escapism, maybe the way that you try to augment your reality is just career choice and just continue to climb the corporate ladder maybe maybe your augmented reality has just been I'm just going to try to stay as busy I can in religious things and serving God is a beautiful beautiful thing it's a great honor it's a great joy but sometimes we can definitely lose sight and rather than being serving out of a heart that is surrendered to him and is being loved by him we can serve out of a brokenness that maybe if we serve enough, he'll love us. Or we can truly embrace the reality that the only reality that can change and transform us is if we would fully receive the one who designed reality himself. Now, I'm also fully aware that there are some in here today that you're not following Jesus, and that's fine. You know, AR can be fun at a time, but one of the interesting things I want to challenge you in is this, is that it kind of shows us a little bit about ourselves. Like there's this sense that at deep down, we all desire our world to be different or better than what it is. 
And I think I want to ask you if you are not a follower of Jesus this morning to lean into that and ask yourself, why is that? I believe it's because we all have a sense, an innate sense, that things should be and could be better than what they are. And there's plenty of people, and particularly when it comes to tech, you know, it's like the mindset is, you know, technology is going to be the answer to improving everything. And, and maybe perhaps parts of it, but I also know that there is only, there really is only one story that has the power to forever transform and change. There is only one person who has not just the power, but has the desire to meet you in the brokenness and the rawness and the realness of whatever reality that you're in and bring you into his. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? I want to ask if you are a believer this morning would you just take a moment and just begin to think about where God has brought you just begin to think about how far he has taken you from where you were my grandmother's church, I would always hear them say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul says hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Can you just think about that? How rich was his love when he met you in your dorm room? How gentle were his words of affirmation when he met you in a place where you felt the least worthy of his affection. And yet he did not blink an eye. He did not blush at your pain and your brokenness. He did not embarrass you. He did not shame you. He did not put you on blast. He wrapped his arms around you. And he gave you his name. Let's just let that reality sit on us for a moment. Would you remember that you're an heir? you're not an orphan, that you are not a slave, that you are not one that has to wait outside while everyone else gets to experience the fullness on the inside. But if you are in Christ, you have all the rights, you have all the authority to step boldly in His presence. 
those of you who maybe don't have not been made sons and daughters in this new grace he's here for you maybe if you didn't receive him earlier in the time of worship you say man I want to be a son I want to be a daughter I've met this grace and I, 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 I want to fully walk in it he's here for you this morning sit in his presence for a moment. ourselves were once foolish disobedient and led astray hated by others and hating one another when the goodness of God the Savior appeared not by the works we've done according to his own verse hmm. Lord I thank you you meet us according to your own mercy Lord, I thank you that you're here right now with us in this place according to your own mercy. Lord, would you help us to receive your amazing grace? Lord, would you help us to breathe it in? To allow it to actually penetrate our hearts, to allow it to break through our trained religious behaviors, and to crack deep inside of the core of our being. 
Lord, would you help us not to be so dang stingy that we receive your grace and yet have the audacity to withhold it from others. But Lord, would you fill us with your compassion? Would you fill us with your overwhelming generosity? Lord, would you help us to be so impacted by the richness of your grace and the abundance of this life that you've given us that when we look to those who are without you, that when we look to those who are far from you, that when we look to those who are lost and bound in a reality that is not what you intended for them, God, would we be compelled to love? Would we be compelled to offer? Would we be compelled to pursue? We need you. Continue to work in us and change us as you have been so gracious to do thus far. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him praise this morning? Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.